You're listening to a Tiger Hall podcast. For more interviews with many of the world's most inspiring business leaders, uploaded daily, download Tiger Hall from the App Store or Google Play. It's 7 a.m. I wake up. I'm grumpy. I'm frustrated that a colleague dropped the ball on a piece of work. My boss is leaving me hanging on a decision. 8 a.m. I log into my work systems and my social media, and the first thing I see are messages advocating that I demonstrate my authentic leadership by bringing my whole self to work. Well, today, my whole self is in a horrible mood. So, do I just go with that, my authentic me today? Will it hurt my internal brand? What about demonstrating my company's values? It's only 8 a.m., and already my brain hurts thinking about how I need to show up. Research has shown that having the freedom to express yourself will make you a more productive and successful worker. The idea of authentic leadership has been around a long time, popularized by Bill George's 2003 book called, well, Authentic Leadership. Since then, the term has become business jargon, corporate Kool-Aid, often overused and not well enough understood to be meaningful. I'm Andrea Bate, Head of Sales Enablement at LinkedIn, and today on Corporate Kool-Aid, I'm hoping to debunk some of the myths around this ever-present but very opaque topic of authenticity at work by talking to two of the most honest people I know. Sue Stevens, Country Lead for SMB at Facebook, and Pratap Call, Senior Manager for Program Management at LinkedIn. Welcome, Sue and Pratap. Thank you. Great Thanks to be here. Thanks for having us, Andrea. Absolutely. So let's start with you, Pratap. What does authenticity mean to you? I thought a lot about this. And the first thing that came to, to mind is how talking about authenticity at work is really a privilege. But growing up in India, where I grew up in a middle class family, uh, we didn't have means to, to do a lot of things. And so we were always trying to put our best selves or our best foot forward and and by that i mean that we didn't always have the luxury of being our authentic selves and so i was always trained whether it's in school whether it's at home that you need to put a certain image of yourself out there and that's not to say that it's it's not an authentic version of you it's just that the world needs to see the best of you and so make sure you're putting that out there uh, so i really struggle with with this i feel like this idea of authenticity at work is is a very privileged concept and, and I can get into more of this, but it's really an ideal worth fighting for. But I feel like we're quite far removed from the reality. I think within our tech bubble, it really sounds nice. And I think like you said, Andre, it's, it's like drinking the Kool-Aid, bring your whole selves to work, bring your authentic selves to work. But I feel like in reality, the, it, it's far more nuanced and layered. Mm. And Sue, what does authenticity mean to you? So for me, authenticity means to not cover. And I'll explain what I mean by that. So I come from a modest background, a single mom, not so great neighborhood in Amsterdam and a bunch of siblings. And for many, many years, that wouldn't be information I would be comfortable sharing, uh, particularly in the first part of my professional career. 
Secondly, uh, I know listeners can't see me, but as a black woman, I was born with very curly hair. That was not how I showed up for the first part of my career because I desperately tried to really have sleek, long hair, which meant that I'd go through many chemical processes to make people believe, in fact, that my hair was long and sleek. So I was covering for many, many years, in fact, by not sharing this information and thinking that I needed to look a certain way and speak a certain way and to really fit in at work. So when I think about authenticity, for me, it's really about unpeeling the onion and to not cover. Mm. So what I'm hearing is it's about how we show up. But the question, of course, is do we show up? completely unpeeled or do we leave a little bit of that skin on Mm -hmm. to think about how we show up now before we kind of start to pick apart this topic i'm curious to get your views pratap you said that you know it's a privilege and it's in our tech bubble and we're starting to hear a lot of that why do you guys feel that there is so much focus these days on this concept about authenticity at work I can start by sharing like a bit more context behind what I shared. It's a privilege. So we live in a very diverse uh, society. We live in a very intersectional society. We're not a singular identity. We're made up of different cultural identities, whether it's our gender, whether it's our nationality, whether it's um, our, our ethnicity. And I feel like as as Sue shared that, you know, it, it's layered. And I feel like there's no common thread which kind of binds all of us together. And I think like one of one of the questions you asked us in the pre-interview is like the culture and values of the company. I think, yes, it's it's good to have that guiding direction, but I don't necessarily feel that that everyone may relate to it in the same way because our political views may be different. Our, mm. our views on gender may be very different. Our, our views on religion may be different. Our views on parenting may be different. So it's, it's a hard one. Um, and so then how do we create that space where people can start to talk about these things, I feel like we've not quite cracked that. I feel like we're still within our our tech bubble because I have a lot of people who are not within the tech bubble. We tend to be very left-leaning in terms of our idealism for the world, uh, and that's not really uh, the reality outside of it. Mm, Absolutely. And Sue, do you feel like this kind of hype around authenticity is unique to a certain sector or certain types of people? Or what do you think is behind this sort of focus we have on authenticity at work these days? So I think two things. First thing is, if you are in a place in society, in the world today where you are struggling for your life, There is no way you're thinking about bringing your most authentic self because, quite frankly, you have something else to be concerned with. So if I think about where we are and why this is something that I think is more prevalent in tech, it's because if you look at the Maslow pyramid, we're much more, I think, concerned with esteem. And when you start thinking about esteem, that's where conversations about authenticity, vulnerability and such come up. Second point, if organizations create a work environment in which people feel psychologically safe, they will produce more. Which company doesn't want that? Mm, It's a good point. And, And you raise a good point about companies and the messages they send. Now, do you think that while they're saying, you know, feel free, show up, be your authentic self, they're saying that out of one side of their mouth, but on the other, they're saying live our culture and values or this is what we expect of you. Isn't that kind of paradoxical and a little bit hypocritical? 
I'll jump in on this one. So it can be. And when I thought about this question, I thought of different sections of my career. So now I work in newer tech where perhaps we, we go down the hallway in our scooters and what have you. If I recall a time in which I worked in a Japanese organization, much more old school tech, if you will, I think perhaps my, my core values and that of the organization didn't match as such. And in such way, I probably covered far more than I do now in the companies that I work today. So I don't necessarily think that there's a mixed message. I think perhaps the question to ask is, to what extent is the individual aligned to whatever the culture and values of that particular organization are? Mm, interesting. So Pratap, what's your perspective? If that's the case, are we not risking ending up with a really homogenous mm-hmm. workforce if a company is saying, these are our culture and values, and you're saying, cool, those are mine too, super authentic. Is everyone just the same? Uh, I think uh, Sue brought up a good point about making that distinction between newer companies who, who have this sense of purpose and like older companies who may not necessarily have that shared sense of purpose. Uh, and I thought a little bit about this looking at some of like the newer tech companies and and I, I think I was able to distill it down to four broad themes uh, and everyone's got like some version of this in, in their own way or like the way they use their words. So I think one is what are they doing for humanity? One is what are they doing for their team and talent? What are they doing for their company? And what are they doing for like the region or the market or wherever they're working? Uh, so I feel like culture and values are, are usually they sit within this broader framework and you can really use words to make them sound a certain way. Uh, but eventually they all kind of convey the same emotion. Like how do you give people a sense of purpose? And if we go like one level below, I feel like the sense of purpose comes from the founders. And if you look at the founders, I, I don't necessarily see myself in them. So they're usually, they're, they might be white males for the most part, And so the values that they share may not be the values I necessarily share. And so then the culture and values that they might set out to create might not necessarily be the culture and values that I have grown up with. Mm. So in that case, do you think the imperative, if you want to work at one of these companies, Mm -hmm. is that employees need to put on a certain type of cover, to use Sue's words, Mm -hmm. or sort of index on a certain type of authenticity if that sort of persona, those attributes are deemed to be really the most effective at work? Are we in fact having to cover really just in order to get on? The the question I think about is like, where do you draw the line, right? And thinking about like specific examples, right? If you're talking about politics, for example, uh, there is a tendency that we other a lot of people of the, the opposing point of view. And in my experience in tech, I've been in tech close to 10 years now. Uh, I feel like there's definitely like a preference for a left-leaning point of view uh, on the political spectrum. And I feel like a lot of my colleagues who may, may be on the other side feel othered and they may not kind of voice what they feel. Taking another example, like on parenting, I feel like there's uh, this this came to the fore in the COVID pandemic where a lot of parents were kind of talking about the challenges they were dealing with at work and, and everyone was really sympathetic and empathetic with that. But at the same time, there were a lot of individual single folks who were staying by themselves who were probably suffering in their own, own way. So I feel like who defines these culture and values often kind of dictates how others feel. And so can they be broad enough where people can truly find some meaning? Mm. Uh, is is really kind of the question for me. 
Yeah. So are there pieces of it that are authentic? So, Sue, I know you're also a leader corporately in, in the world around diversity and inclusion. So I'd love to get your perspective as well. If certain companies champion certain values and certain expected norms of behavior, and those attributes are what gets people ahead, are we risking people being authentic, quote, but really in a specific way that's going to get them ahead at work and fit in? I think that's such an excellent question. And what I thought of, the first thing I thought of when I saw this question was more extroverted or more introverted. And regardless of whether you, you're aligned to an organization culturally or not, at the end of the day, when it comes to whether that's promotions and what have you, one of the things that may come up as feedback is potentially your personal brand, how you advocate for yourself and what have you. So taking a step back in, and staying on topic of authenticity, I think as organizations, you probably want to recruit for diverse pool of people. And I think there's so many research, so much research out there that proves the business case as to why you would want to do that. But I don't think that you necessarily look at diversity and then say authenticity must look a certain way. So I can be so very bubbly, very loud and what have you. And equally, someone besides me in the same role, in a, in a position, in a leadership role, may not be like that and might be perhaps more introverted. At the same time, both of us can feel aligned to the bigger goal of what the organization is trying to drive in terms of purpose, as well as its core values. So it's the more we talk about it, the more I realize this isn't a very straightforward, <laughs> clean cut kind of this is authenticity and that's it. Because we haven't even touched upon the notion of what does it mean in different parts of the world? It is a great question. Three expats from different parts of the globe <laughs> sitting here in Singapore talking about it. So let, let's pick up on that point, Sue. You're right. What is authentic in New York is definitely not considered authentic in Singapore or correct, should we say. Now, in Singapore, I tend to be a lot less honest about exactly what I think. Because I think that would be seen as aggressive, and I have been told, can offend people. <laughs> Pratap is laughing because we work together, and he knows. <laughs> Sue and I have also worked together, and she knows too. Now, in New York, saying something like, may I suggest, is taken as a suggestion. Whereas, say, in the UK or Europe, that's taken as a, you're doing this, a command. Right. So in the Netherlands, there are certain types of norms that wouldn't work here in India, the same in Singapore. There are certain things that wouldn't work elsewhere. So if we think about those cultural differences and that sort of tension between, well, I'm an Indian man or a Dutch woman or an American woman, and I want to be my authentic self versus I'm in a different country or I'm working for a multinational company or working with multicultural teams and therefore need to be sensitive to that, again, it's kind of messes with your head. How do we resolve all of this tension? Yeah, so I think in, it's a complex matter, but at the same yes, time... Yes, Sue, it is a complex it matter. It is extremely complex. <laughs> but I also don't think it's black and white. 
I think it's possible in the sense that, so I mentioned this earlier before, as a Dutch woman, I once worked within a Japanese context. Now, if you look at the cultural spectrum when it comes to communication, the two countries, I think, could not be any further (laughs) apart. So we won't go into details, but let's just say I learned a few things the hard way. So I I don't think that we can deny that you do have to factor in your cultural context for what is considered appropriate, but that doesn't necessarily need me to say that you need to change yourself. So let me give you an example. I think the way that I speak to my boss is very, very unfiltered in giving my view. But potentially who is an Indian Australian woman for in terms of her intersectionality. But how I might want to bring my point of view across to my VP who is Singaporean, I may choose my words very carefully because I know that a much more implicit way of communicating is what would be the preference. Mm-hmm. So in that way, I think I've got to be clever enough in the journey of what is intercultural management to understand and appreciate that the way I would say something in a meeting in Amsterdam is not going to land well in Singapore. So, Sue, just to challenge that a little bit, isn't what you've just described covering? I don't think so. I absolutely don't think so. I think covering and the examples that I gave earlier is so thinking much more of a coming at it from a disgenuine standpoint. I hide certain parts of who I am or perhaps I pretend to be a certain way because I want to fit in. With what I've just mentioned, I think, is being mindful and cognizant of the cultural spectrum. And if you so choose to work and live in that country, then I think uh, we can't make any mistake but to say that partially you're going to have to be much more in tune with what is considered appropriate. There's that angle. And then the other angle is, I think within different organizations, and I go back to the time that you and I worked together in London, what we may share with each other and based on our closeness and looking at things such as vulnerability, I might share with you as my peer within the organization, but not my direct. So it's Mm. being selective and therefore, I think, just a bit more street smart, perhaps where I came from. Yeah, absolutely. Pratap, just to comment on that, selective authenticity, is that how we get ahead or is that kind of bullshit? So I I don't think it's selective authenticity. I really liked what what Sue shared. And the way that I would probably frame it is it's really cultural competence. Mm. Uh, It's it's something that you learn and, and it's not a bad thing. So code switching when you're talking, let's say, to your Australian Indian boss versus a Singaporean direct report. Is, is not a bad thing. It's, it shows that you are adaptable. It shows that you're culturally humble and you're willing to, to meet the other person where they are. And, and I think that for me is really what authenticity is. Like, do you listen? Do you adapt? And I feel like that's often lost. It's just like, oh, this is this beautiful vision we have. Do whatever, show up in your pajamas. And I don't think that's what it is. Um, I think it, it's really, can you meet the other person where they are. And, and I really liked what Sue shared. Interesting. Have you guys ever found yourself in a per- situation personally where you've experienced this tension between meeting people where they are and knowing that in order to get ahead, you're going to have to kind of be a bit of a poser? It's situational. Mm-hmm. We have jobs. People pay us money. Pratap, you also said that a lot of these normative kind of behaviors are set really from the top down. And you both brought up a great point that often it is from a singular country or culture that's also the majority of that workforce. Mm -hmm. So 
when have you, you don't have to name the company or the people, but when have you ever been faced with a time that you had to choose to be your authentic self or put on a bit of a show in order to get ahead? I can I can start. Uh, I think it's a it's a difficult question. I think it just goes back to the other point I was making that we all need to to code switch, and it's it's often viewed negatively, but I don't think it should be. Uh, and for me, at least, like I said at the start, like growing up in India, I was always kind of well not forced, but like nudged to to put my best foot forward. Mm. Uh, and so I always think about who I'm talking to, what's the context, and how I should be speaking to them. So for me, it's something that comes very naturally, and I don't necessarily think it's posing or it's posturing. I mm. feel like it's it's something that's needed to to maneuver life, and working in a in a company is no different. Yeah, so you're bringing your authentic self, but maybe not your, quote, whole, whole self, self, the selective bits that are appropriate for that environment. Right. So know your audience, right? Like what we tell our sales teams, know who you're talking to. If you're talking to a CHRO versus the head of TA, you'll change your narrative. And so I think that's that's what we need to do in, in life as well. Absolutely. So, Sue, what's your perspective? Because what Pratap is suggesting is that we're not covering, but we are withholding, perhaps. I think he said it way better than I did when he said cultural competence. So just just on that one. So w- this question, and I get the conflict. I said before we started this, outside of work is called manipulation. Inside of work, it's influencing. <laughs> so from that perspective, answering your question, Andrea, I think there's several moments where, and I think for me personally, if I speak to it, it's moments where I have to big myself up and speak about my work in order to ensure that there are individuals who know about it and therefore it increases my visibility. Mm. So yes, um, that definitely does happen. But I guess I, I spin it. Outside of work is manipulation, but inside of work and in that context, it's influencing. Interesting. So our authenticity is the pieces of us that helps us win the game. But let's challenge the thinking a little bit deeper. On the one hand, that sounds like there's a bit of a consensus between you two, that you bring those pieces of your authentic self that are going to help you get ahead. On the other hand, our companies are not just saying, be honest. They're saying, bring your whole self to work. How can a person draw the lines between that appropriate authenticity versus unprofessional? I think this is very different for different people. I remember I once had a professor and he said, you can answer pretty much any question with it depends. Um, I think it'll be different. <laughs> Shortest podcast ever. <laughs> um, yes, you're right. It does depend. So at work. <laughs> I will give you a specific example though Thank you, where Sue. I felt that individual could have handled things differently. So here I am a couple of years ago in Dublin and there's an individual on my team, one of my directs who had just recently relocated. And I'm asking about how she's settling in and what have you. And before I know it, we go into her romance life, shall we say. And she tells me about a story where she's unable to find herself in a committed relationship, but only Netflix and chill. So essentially telling me she's hooking up. Now, I think this is inappropriate because we're not friends. She's my direct. I'm her boss. I just want to know how are you getting on in the sense that is there anything I can do to help support? Because ultimately, would love your performance to 
for you to do well and feel supported. So in those moments, I think depending on stage of life, and this was a rather junior person, I think perhaps individuals need to be mature enough to understand where to draw the line given the context. So in this case, it's a direct report and boss, but also given what Pratap had said earlier, know your audience. Who are you talking with? What I might share with my bestie at work may be very, very different and often is very different than what perhaps I share with my VP at work. Mm, So it sounds like the relationship between the two people, both in terms of power distance, but also your personal relationship kind of dictates how much of that whole self is appropriate or you feel comfortable kind of sharing and demonstrating. 100%. Now, Pratap, question for you. Have you ever seen a situation where you can tell is just covering, that they're trying to toe the line and speak the speak and corporate hype and all the stuff that technically gets people ahead, but you could just tell it's a veneer? And if so, how can you tell the difference between whether that's a selective aspect of the person's authenticity or if they're just totally putting on an act to get ahead? I think we've all worked long enough to know that someone's putting on a show. It's very hard to to tell if someone's being insincere. Again, it depends who you're talking to, what's the context. And like, if you're talking to a senior leader, they can look through it in, in a second. Mm. And I keep going back to that. I think it's it's important to, to listen. And I feel like people now want to be heard more than, you know, to, to be on the receiving end. And they kind of jump to, you know, I'm talking to this person, they might want me to behave in a certain way, or they've got certain preconceived notions based on whatever their lived reality is. And so I think they get made out very soon. Like I've seen many cases where that's happened. Mm. So me trying to tell you what I think you want to hear versus me telling you what I want to say, but framed in a way that's not going to get me fired. That's kind of what I'm hearing from you guys. Now, If you were speaking to somebody newish to the workforce who has to toe this line between the confusing messages of bringing your whole self to work versus what you guys, even though you're coming at it from different angles, aligning on to say, hey, it's about selective authenticity, not unabashed authenticity. How would you advise somebody to connect with that and bring their authentic self, but in a way that doesn't overexpose them and helps them actually succeed? And importantly, that everyone else doesn't think is total bullshit. Perhaps the first thing is, and upon reflection based on this conversation, bring 90% of yourself to work. (laughs) We've got a convert. (laughs) So I think perhaps that's that. And then knowing your audience as in who are you vulnerable with versus who you're not. So perhaps there are things that I don't know yet how to do, But it's not my directs that I need to be sharing that with, but rather maybe a mentor in the business and what have you. So that will be my first thing. The second thing I will talk to is do the inner work. And this may be the woo-hoo-hoo, but quite like that. But I see so many insecure high achievers in tech. But I think if you can come at it from a position of confidence, it means you're not in competition with anybody. The sun and the moon both shine when it is their time. So if you're able to do that inner work, I think therefore it means you can show up much more authentic. But remember, possibly maybe only 90%. Yeah, hold back that time you fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) How about you for top? Um, I think if I go back to like the phrase you use, selective authenticity, and I was thinking about like framing it in a more positive way, I feel like we should think about talking to other people in a way that uh, you would want to be spoken to. So don't 
say things that you wouldn't expect others to say back to you so kind of putting it putting yourself in the other person's shoes and at the same time don't get pressured into doing things because of whatever you might have heard or seen uh, and i'll take an example i think going back to the question you asked about someone younger in the, in in the workforce i am mentoring a couple of people there's this one girl who comes to me and and this is her first month on the job and she's talking about stakeholder management and i'm like okay why is this the first thing that you're talking to me about uh, what's the back story what's the why and she's like no all all my friends have been talking about it that i need to get better at stakeholder management and and so then i ask her all right so what do you think stakeholder management is and then she gives me some spiel so then then i just tried to bring her out of the the work scenario and and said think about you know you're talking to your parents and you want to influence them let's say to take you on a holiday um so you know your audience you know what their triggers are or you know what what will give the, get them to switch and so then you craft your message to them appropriately and and that's essentially what stakeholder management is you realize or you identify who you're talking to and then you craft your message accordingly and i don't necessarily think that selective authenticity or it's putting on a show it's just you're you're just being a smart person uh and and i think that's that's kind of how you get ahead in in life and so then she laughed about it and i'm like yeah so the next time you're talking to your manager or you're managing your stakeholder like identify like what are their triggers what do they care about and that'll get you ahead mm so to that point for top so it was kind of acknowledged which we got into that something like a selective authenticity is the way forward why are companies and social media and influencers saying bring your whole self to work if what you guys are saying is that you're going to get fired <laughs> like i said it goes back to privilege right i think it's someone somewhere has said that bringing your whole self to work is the way ahead and yes it is an ideal worth striving for but we live in a society where there is no equity uh, there's systemic inequity and because of the systemic inequity there's systemic inequality so until we solve for that equity i don't think we can think about you know solving for bringing your whole selves to work so like we can we can't expect uh let's say a mom or like an immigrant to another country or like someone from the lgbtq community to to feel the same way or to to necessarily live the same reality that the company wants you to to live or feel yeah Absolutely. So if the whole self is the CEO or founder, they're mm-hmm. bringing their whole self to work, the rest of it looks good on a magnet. What do you think, Sue? If it's selective authenticity that 90% and yet I'm getting messages to bring my whole self, what do I do? So maybe there's the bit where it says bring your whole self and ooh, you've got to be smart enough culturally to understand where appropriate to show that. So not necessarily selectively, but going back to what Pratap said, said earlier, that cultural nuance that you apply, which I think ultimately when you have more work experience, more life experience and having lived and worked and traveled in different countries means that it makes it much more easier for you to flex. So I think what companies are saying is potentially do bring your authentic self and be mindful of how do you display that and where in what audiences. Yeah. So it's either bring so your whole self to work as long as your whole self is just like x or y or be authentic and sensitive. You know, it's still a really mixed message. So you've both kind of talked about how you have to balance this need to feel authentic with what's going to resonate at work and and get you ahead with the people that matter. 
An author named Hermania Ibarra wrote an article in the Harvard Business Review called The Authenticity Paradox, where she calls this out. She says that it seems often that we have to choose between what's expected of us and therefore what is effective and what feels authentic. Now, I'll go back to what I said at the beginning of this podcast. I woke up and I'm having a rubbish day already. I'm stressed and I'm grumpy. At the same time, I'm in a corporate environment where toxic positivity is what gets everyone ahead. How are you? I'm great. I'm thriving right now. I'm just so grateful. You know, I'm just so hashtag gratitude. No, I'm not grateful. I'm mad and frustrated and I kind of want to punch everybody. So how do you resolve that paradox when someone says, how are you? Might I jump in with perhaps a Dutch perspective here, which is, which is, is it my problem you're having a bad day and therefore I am the one to kind of receive the blah, blah. But I think going back to what we talked about, there are, I think, for sure individuals that I'm sure you can think of within the organization that you would be able to say, yuck, just not cool. This has not been a great morning, what have you. But I don't necessarily think that the uh, the CEO, if you're having a meeting and the, the, you're having the polite chit chat at the very beginning and they ask, how are you? That that's the appropriate moment to share how you really are. So I've chosen to cover. I would not say covering in this case, but you've chosen wisely. You were very smart about who you chose to share that with. Interesting. So I'm not pretending everything's awesome. I'm just withholding a bit of the truth. I think you're being smart about in what forum do you share that publicly and with who? By the way, I 100% agree with that. I also just think that means the idea that I'm bringing my whole self to work today is bullshit. Pratap, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with, uh, I think, what both of you shared as well. This expectation or this burden of positivity is unrequired. You start conversation, how are you? How was your weekend? You don't need to know how my weekend was or like, let's let's come up with better opening questions or small talk questions. I feel like that needs to evolve and like people need to be a bit more thoughtful and mindful about the questions they ask. Like, for example, right now, there's things happening in India. We don't know what's the appropriate way to reach out to them. So the best is to not reach out rather than say something stupid. And, and like I have, like I've encountered that myself where people don't really have that cultural nuance and then they might say something which they didn't intend to say, but then it kind of has a negative impact on the receiver. Uh, so I feel like this notion of wanting to be positive just needs needs to stop. Like people need to stop trying to be positive and that everything's good. Uh, which I think COVID has done in many ways. It's kind of normalized the reality that people live. Uh, but I feel like we need to do do more of that, even in a, in whatever is a normal world. So it sounds like a way we a company or any environment can resolve some of that paradox is giving a broader berth of what counts as permissible or effective mm-hmm. behavior or perspectives as opposed to saying everyone's feeling hashtag gratitude all the time. And unless I'm showing up saying that's how I feel too, I'm going to be ostracized or people are going to be like, oh God, I didn't really want to know how you were, did I? I was just trying to be polite. So it sounds like if we're going to perpetuate authenticity and bringing our whole selves to work, we need to create work environments that accept and celebrate all of the versions of whatever that looks like. Otherwise, we need to be smart. We need to play the game. We need to be selective and professional, in which case I would argue that authenticity 
is a little bit of corporate Kool-Aid. Thank you so much, Pratap and Sue, for your perspectives, your honesty, and your awesomeness. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having us, Andrea. Thank you.